Welcome to Layout, a weekly podcast about design, technology, and everything else. This week, I'm joined by a friend of the show, Joey Banks, who's a design advocate at Figma. Our main topic for this week is our thoughts on the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro. Our thanks to Porkbun for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. One of the things we were talking right before this was uh, was coffee, and I was, I was saying like how I never really got onto the coffee train. And at this point, I'm just like kind of trying to avoid it. Um, but it's funny because you know I never really developed that taste for coffee, um, and the the first time i went well i've only been once but uh when i went to portugal mm -hmm. um i spent some time with rafa when he was living there uh and it was super funny because i think it was like the first evening we were spending together he was like all right can we talk about this coffee thing <laughs> it really bothered him <laughs> that i wasn't drinking coffee. oh my gosh he was, was like, like rafa was offended he was like, he was like please please <laughs> let me make you coffee good coffee like, please if you don't like it after this i won't bother you again <laughs> please at least have a try i would assume you've had like you had had like you had tried coffee before right and you had tried like what you might think of as, as a good cup of coffee just like never developed the taste for it yeah i i, I said i would ha i had like average coffee but i never had like really good coffee um so I would say like Rafa's coffee was probably the first coffee that, like cup that I drank, drank and I was like, yeah, that's actually like that's pretty good. Like I can see why people like this. Oh wow! I was uh, gonna ask. Yeah, cheers to Rafa. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's super good. Um, yeah. So then, like, basically the first, the that week that I spent in Europe, like I had a couple coffees. So now I always say like I only drink coffee in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> only in Europe. <laughs> Here but typically I like I I still would say that I like hot chocolate a little bit better than mm. coffee. <laughs> I mean it's yeah. So I was saying like I I am far too addicted to coffee and I think most people that know me would agree with that. I also recently uh I I got sick recently and every time you get sick and you you start to realize pretty quickly like how dependent you are on caffeine just because you're going uh, through the withdrawal period of not having coffee um mm. and every time i'm i'm sick i really like lay there and i consider like is this the time i'm gonna like break the dependency right uh <laughs> is this the right. time i'm gonna like make it through to the other side and come out a better person or come out not dependent on coffee um that just happened recently and uh i i i'm sad to say uh <laughs> it wasn't this time <laughs> so you're back on coffee i'm back on yeah uh it's a slow slow ramp up but but yeah i just i you know it's just part of the, it's part of like the morning routine um it's so much not even about like the taste as it is like the act of just like heading to this coffee shop and like you know seeing the familiar barista them like knowing who you are because you've been there so many times you know what i mean it's, it's kind of just like a familiar part of the morning yeah, I love that. And like there there's a couple co coffee shops where it's like that for me too. Like I definitely don't go every day, but yeah, there there is something really nice about just like hey, this is this moment for me and I'm just going into the, this coffee shop and like everyone like I know everyone, like it's just like a nice ritual. 
I do think of like so I I of course like go to bed like pretty excited for tomorrow's coffee. But I think about a, uh, <laughs> really? I think about a skit that uh, Colbert did a few years ago. There was there was titled, I think it was titled "Tomorrow's Coffee," and it's all about him and his wife uh, working the day before to prepare t- tomorrow's coffee. But they're so <laughs> busy today preparing tomorrow's coffee that they don't have any time to do anything. <laughs> it's right. such a good skit. <laughs> uh, nice. So that's that's me every night, just waiting for tomorrow's coffee. Do you have like one of those uh, home kit? kettle things uh i don't have one that's that's home kit enabled i went the 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 cheaper route um but we have one yeah it's kind of like an instant on takes just a couple couple minutes to to really heat up um and it's been a it's been a game changer like kristen my fiance uses it for uh tea every so often and super easy to clean and uh it's great because you can like set and hold the temperature too oh okay nice nice yeah um I just wonder because these things are like, oh, like just automate your life, like have your coffee, like get started in the morning. And I always feel like, don't you have to fill fill it with water before you start it? <laughs> well, you can. But I guess it's like the night routine kind of thing. Yeah. Fill it the night before and then go to bed. I mean, you can like we do also have for for those like really early mornings that the uh, the old Mr. Coffee uh, machine, which just takes like the grounds, of course, and has the water in the back. Um, uh, okay. The problem with those and I am not a. a too much of a coffee lover to like know all of this but i think that it does burn like the grounds so therefore you're mm. always getting like a pretty consistently burnt taste uh which is why they're so cheap um but anyways it's good for like you can set it the night before if you want to like for an alarm in the morning and then right i will say kevin there's nothing better than waking up at 5 a.m to the smell of coffee uh <laughs> it's a pretty delightful thing even if you don't like coffee i feel like that has to be a delightful thing well, I was going to say, I'm not sure that there's anything good about waking up at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. Uh, uh, for me now, that's that's unfortunately like sleeping in at this point. But Oh, really? I'm Wait, up early. what time do you usually wake up? I'm usually up, at, uh, usually up around 4.30. I get started pretty... Oh, wow. Yeah. I get started pretty oh early. Oh, my God. That's like half of my night. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be why the, uh, the coffee dependency is so high, but... Damn. You know, honestly, I just, I love the mornings. Like, I love how quiet it is. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I live here in San Francisco, and, like, uh, I have to take BART in every morning. And, the, right. you know, the later that you wait in the morning to actually get on the train, the more crowded that it is. So if you can get mm-hmm. started a little bit early in the morning, you almost have, like, a bit of an advantage to get on a somewhat uh, more empty train. Um, yeah. So for that reason, it was kind of encouraging. Like, oh, I, I, maybe I'll just try waking up a little bit earlier and, like, catching the, 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 5 a, the 5.30 a.m. train instead of the uh this 8 a.m train <laughs> yeah that's awesome i really envy that <laughs> if, if i could i would totally do it but my body just like does not want to do that so how, how um, much how much sleep do you get per night do you track your sleep at all yeah i do actually i should look at the app but i think it's about like six seven hours okay i use this app called auto sleep yeah i do too actually cool it's actually like it's the only sleep tracking app i can use basically because like it requires no setup for me like i don't need to have a special app Mm -hmm. be on or under my my pillow or something um it just works in the background i don't know how accurate it is but i know that it often like tells me you should try to sleep more Uh, I have the same uh, thing Yes, here. it says like last night I had seven hours and 45 minutes of sleep. Oh, that's great. So that's I had pretty good. six hours and one one minute. Not not too bad uh, compared to other numbers on here, but not the greatest. It is it is right. kind of nice. It gives you like this nice kind of tile layout. Um, 
with your reds, oranges, and, and greens, kind of depicting like your sleep health. And uh, right. I have a lot of orange and red on here, Kev. <laughs> lots of uh lots of five and six hours on here which isn't good yeah no this is i don't know it's it's been really difficult for me even just like getting the proper amount of sleep that i find like i always i, I really often get like try to sleep like an hour earlier or something like that mm-hmm. uh, and i do find these days that sleep really does have a big effect on on me like i don't know man i th- I think i'm getting older but like <laughs> whenever i don't get good sleep like i started getting neck pains mm-hmm. and just like i'm just like not in my element like i'm not as sharp not as focused yep so yeah i'm tr- I'm trying to be a little bit more strict about that sleep but uh, honestly like the, the problem that happens is that i it, it's almost like my body doesn't want to change state so like when i'm awake i don't want to go to sleep <laughs> yeah when i'm sleeping i don't want to wake up yep so uh yeah what what ends up happening is like i still go to bed really late and i wake up later and later <laughs> <laughs> what time do you do you how late do you go to bed it depends like mm-hmm. that's also part of the problem i think like i should have more of a strict schedule where i like know that okay by that time i go to bed um but with all my sort of side projects and events and meeting people and stuff like that it's just like always so unpredictable but typically i go to bed around around midnight okay yeah that's that's pretty late i mean so to give you an idea like i i guess i go to bed around like 10 30 or so i'm usually i try mm-hmm. to be asleep by 10 30 um okay. and then up at 4 30 or so so it, if if all goes well i will get six hours of sleep so last night was a perfect right. night uh and then if all doesn't <laughs> go well it's usually like four four hours to five hours so <laughs> um Damn. but yeah I, I i do think there's something there of course about like just picking like a schedule and sticking to it even on the weekends which is probably the hardest part mm-hmm. just so you can like get your body in the routine and and actually like start to form the habit of of waking up at that uh your kind of like desired time Right. So you wake up early even on the weekends. I try to. It is super hard, as you would imagine, on a Saturday morning to get up at 4.30 uh, and then just, right. like, not do anything, right? Because, like, it's a little bit easier on the weekdays because you're like, oh, right, I'm going to work or I'm, I'm trying to get to, to uh, the train early. But on the weekends, it's like, oh, great, I'm up. And, like, now what do I now what do? I do? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So <laughs> it's a little bit less uh, motivating there. Yeah, I mean, but, you, like, that gives you so much time for, like, side projects and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that's that's super neat. Like uh, one of the things that I noticed because I like I don't set any alarm on the weekends. I just like wake up whenever. But I can really tell whenever I haven't had enough sleep during the week because if I haven't had enough sleep, I'll wake up super late. Mm. But and if I have had enough sleep during the week, then I will wake up at the same time yep. as I typically do. So it's like kind of interesting to see like that. It, it's like I'm accumulating that sleep debt yep. <laughs> like throughout the week <laughs> yep. and then recuperating on the weekend. Oh, totally. Um, uh, I haven't but definitely read the ideals. I, I haven't read it, so I don't have a lot to say about it. But the book, um, Why We Sleep. Why We got, Sleep. Yeah, it's yeah. been really popular by a lot of friends who are all uh, <laughs> enlightening me on why I need to sleep a little bit more. Uh, and it's pretty scary. Like, uh, of course, like just the effects of not not getting enough sleep, but also just makes you realize like how difficult it actually is with everything going on yeah um i've tried to read that book uh and i'm sure it's very interesting but i found that it's one of these books where it's it's really written for someone who doesn't agree with the premise (laughs) and i feel like i do (laughs) it's like 
It's like, why we sleep? Because it's important. Here's like hundreds and <laughs> hundreds of pages that go into trying to convince you that sleep is important. Yep. And it's like, I feel like I'm um, in a much different spot where it's like, yeah, I, I like get that it's important, but how? <laughs> it's like, why are we sleeping? How can I do all the things I want to do and still get sleep? Like, that's my challenge. Like, first sentence, why we sleep? Because it's important. Kevin's like, all right, got it, done. I feel, I, I get it. I, yeah, that's yeah, really interesting. Yeah, exactly. I need to read the the sequel. It's like how to sleep. Yeah, or I don't know. <laughs> the book is absolutely probably written for someone who's like, you know what, sleep is the biggest waste of my life <laughs> or the biggest waste of my time. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm sure these people exist. <laughs> yep. <laughs> A lot of uh, well, actually, I I don't I don't know you that much, so it's like maybe maybe you are one of these people, but you know, like the Soylent people, they're like, oh, why would I have a meal? Like totally. this is so much more convenient. Like I will <laughs> yeah. just drink all my food. Yep. Totally. I feel like this book is for these people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am not a Soylent person, but I do live in San Francisco, so I'm pretty familiar with it all. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, I have yeah. like a 50-50 percent chance. Yeah. yeah, Joey's not a Soylent person. Uh, uh, nice. That's nice. funny. Um, that's good. All right. So I feel like I should... Uh, <laughs> we've been going on for like 15 minutes, and uh, people are probably wondering why uh, you're not sounding like Rafa. So I will just uh, uh, tell the listeners... So I'm uh, lucky enough today to be joined by a friend of the show, Joey Banks, uh, who's a good friend, good friend of the show. He's also uh, a design advocate at Figma, uh, and we will definitely talk about that uh, later. So the reason why Joey's here on the show is, number one, because he's awesome, but number two, uh, because Rafa does, has lost his voice. <laughs> so... Um, he unfortunately, like I don't know uh, if the our listeners have seen the story on Twitter. <laughs> um, so I, I will try to do my best to retell it, and Rafa will tell us what the actual uh, story happened. But um, on the day of the uh, the the release of the iPhone, Rafa was like not feeling super well, but he was like, "Oh, like I'm gonna go to the Apple Store anyways, like grab my new phone," because of course. I would have done the same probably uh, and powered through um, and then almost fainted at the Apple store. Um, and so then he ended up having to go to, to like the emergency room and everything. And uh, now he's doing a lot better, I hear, uh, but still um, having a flu and uh, he doesn't really have a voice at the moment. So um, yeah, we're, uh, we're wishing Rafa a uh, very prompt uh a recovery and <laughs> getting back on his feet um and he'll probably be back next week um so yeah that's that's what's going on with rafa but i'm super super excited uh to have joey on today um it's it's kind of funny like i think this is the first episode that it's not m at least me and rafa like we've had other guests but it's always been in addition um so i feel like now i'm i'm loose i'm we're we're not under any adult supervision anymore <laughs> of Rafa, who knows all the production tricks of the show. He's also sort of like the, the chief summarizer, where like I, sometimes I've noticed that I always like dive right into the topic and it's like, oh, wait a minute, like maybe we should explain what the heck we're talking about. Um, so apologies um, if, we, if we dive right in. Um, so Joey, we had last week we did a uh a thing together. We did a um 
a live stream yeah. with, with uh, Figma. Yeah, we did. So do you want to tell us a bit more about like sort of um, what that was? Like, why did you want to start that? Um, and I kind of want to talk about, I, I don't know, like your perspective, we talked about it a, a little bit like over text, but I actually found that like, r- found it really challenging to give, to give people feedback on like a live stream. Yeah. So for context, uh, we, I, I, I work at Figma as Kevin mentioned, and we, um, well actually a long while ago, Brand Jackson from design details used to work at Figma. And one of his really early projects was a uh, was a project called Inspect, where he would bring designers on to really just like critique and also just give like really you know productive feedback to younger designers who are looking for um, just eyes on their work and to to kind of get perspectives of of others. Um, and I, I think it was it was a lot of fun. It was like a lunchtime thing. It was, it was fun just to like tune in to have something you know in the week to look forward to. Um, Bryn uh, moved on from Figma and with that that project kind of died down and I honestly kind of missed it like it was a I really loved like attending and and uh, uh, being a part of it so the goal of this was to bring something like that back like bring kind of a casual feedback session back um, and to help younger designers or folks who are new to the industry just like elevate their work a little bit and to like get Mm -hmm. eyes on the work and to um, you know Kevin is like super grateful to you for just offering yourself on on twitter so much just to look over others work and i couldn't think of anyone better to like kind of kick off this uh this new new series once again uh, than kevin so we um uh last friday we did like a a, a live stream on youtube which i'm <laughs> i feel like you need a license to uh stream on youtube it was so complicated uh, really can, oh my gosh i i've never used studio before uh, for it to live stream specifically, and okay. we were also using OBS uh, to pull in. I dialed Kevin on Zoom and to pull in like Kevin's shot as well as like my screen recording as well as my uh, my own camera. And I I think I spent at least like three hours trying to get everything to work. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> beforehand, I was just like testing with people around the office, like they were sitting at their desks on Zoom, and I was like, hey, could you uh, could you like cough or just say something real quick so I can see if it's actually like uh-huh. your audio. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was super gracious of you, Kevin, to, to give an hour and to help out with that. Um, yeah, no problem. So, like, I think the trick thing, the tricky thing with live streams, which is something like even if you do like an Instagram live or whatever that I always struggle with is like people are joining like as you go and like asking asking you questions and like you're trying to show a thing and talk, yeah. talk at the same time and it's like i feel like it's too much too many inputs for my brain to like process at the same time like i never know like who to talk to like do i talk to joey do i talk to like this person who left a comment do i talk about the thing that oh we're my gosh, I had the same reaction viewing? yeah and especially too because like yeah. in in the the seat that I was in like I was I was sharing my screen to the stream um, and in mm-hmm. thing I was using observation mode to kind of follow or to to follow Kevin around in the file to get his cursor and what I realized is like I was sharing my entire screen not just the frame of Figma and so it was like mm. really difficult to like move the screen look at chat see if there were any updates there or things that like needed to be addressed like if the audio was okay if like there were any questions on the project so I felt very like nervous by that of course and then um, yeah like you said like there's just like there's a ton of inputs going on, you know, externally, like in the room and outside the room and then like on the stream itself. Uh, so it was, it was a totally new experience, but um, certainly like had a lot of fun doing it. And I, I hope it was beneficial for folks and I'll definitely get into like, I think we learned a lot for next time. <laughs> um, just in the sense of like, you know, at a high level, like it, it is really hard. And it was a reminder of how hard it is to give feedback that 
where there's not like a clear prompt of what the person is asking for. Mm -hmm. Because in many of these cases, like, and Kevin, you did such a great job with this, but like we, I would, there was like a a brand new design that Kevin and uh, I had never really seen before. Right. And we're taking a look at this with no prior context. Um, In some cases, like one design was actually in a different language and neat that neither Kevin or I uh, spoke. So like, so interesting to like take a look at a design and like come you know completely out of the blue and try to like evaluate this design um in a way that would be like productive to the designer or helpful to to the designer um so that was certainly a lesson like if you're next time like i think it would be so beneficial for people or to ask folks to just request or or kind of put forth ideas on like what they would want feedback for yeah yeah but honestly i think i thought it was super awesome it was really fun uh it was really cool to see like the diversity of projects that people had like had lots of different different ideas like more product design more like web design and a lot of stuff um and uh yeah i just want to say like if any of our listeners like submitted their their work like thank you a lot for for doing that uh we definitely did not go, go through all of them so uh i guess you already have like a bunch of projects for the next time uh, the next time you do it yeah uh yeah honestly thank you so much and and hopefully we'll do these either on a, a monthly or a quarterly cadence just to kind of kick, kick this off again but it was really fun just to have different you know designers on uh, on the stream and like get to know different people and just to hang out for an hour and look at look at different projects yeah <laughs> it's like so uh so strange to like at the end the, the fire alarm in my building went off <laughs> so, like i swear to god i swear to god like this building like the we get a fire alarm basically every every month like it's just it's just crazy it was so funny it's like five minutes before we we just <laughs> done 55 minutes of like perfect stream or, or what we thought was I know. probably like pretty pretty okay streaming and uh kevin's fire alarm goes off in the background <laughs> and I was already like nervous and, you know, just wanted this to go well, of course. And Kevin's like, uh, I, I think I need to actually go or, or just like see to that. <laughs> um, but if all the things to go wrong during that, I, the fire alarm certainly wasn't the worst. And hopefully there was no fire uh, or anything. Hopefully it was a No, I'm not as far as I know. Like it was, uh, just like everyone went, went down and then like waited like half an hour and then like we're able to go, go back up. Uh, well, I'm glad so, you're safe. Yeah, Thank I don't you. know. The, so the problem in this building is because like all the appliances are sort of like provided um, and the the fans are really terrible. Like even like when I like cook here or anything like that, like the fan doesn't basically doesn't do anything. <laughs> so if you're cooking anything that like creates any kind of amount of smoke, it's uh it's very likely that the uh the alarm will go off so (laughs) well yeah it's uh it's super annoying but i'm glad you're safe and and thank you so much like for for hanging out there for an hour um i'd love to hear like you know if it's if folks thought it was a good idea who attended um you know feel free to reach out on twitter and like i said hopefully we'll do more of these but just hopefully a small way to like get back and to just encourage others to like submit and share their work yeah uh cool so all right so i want to talk a little bit about you um so you used to be a designer at uh verda yeah verda and uh and so recently right like how how long did you how long ago did you move to fitma yeah i was so let's see i was at uh verda for um just right actually three years my last day was on my third my like anniversary my third year anniversary so i was there for three years oh really yeah so and then i i joined figma not too long after um middle of june so i guess i just passed over like the 90 or so day mark um 
and it has flown by, Kevin. It's gone by so quickly. Nice. That's awesome. So uh, tell us about tell us what about what you do there, like yeah. at Figma, because feel like you 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 mentioned that like you're a design advocate, right? Yeah, it's so it's a really different role, and um, you know, for for some context, like I was uh, my very first job was at uh, Scoot Networks here in the city, and I was working as a product designer. Then you know, sort of in the transportation space, and then um, moved on to healthcare not not too long after. Um, honestly, like had been using Figma for such a long time, like my uh, previous boss at Verda was um, used to work back in the day at Macromedia with Figma's uh, head of product show. And so they knew each other well and, and show was working mm. on this great thing that was Figma back in the day. And show asked if, if uh, our boss at uh, Verda wanted to beta test this. So we got in, you know, the, the Figma world pretty early back in 2016 or so. Um, and we're just like excited about the tool and uh, yeah, I'd been, I'd been working, you know, with the, with the Figma team every so often doing um, uh, actually voiceovers for the, uh, for some of the YouTube content, like the tutorials. So oh, this, really? this nasally voice that's coming through the microphone is uh, <laughs> on, <laughs> on part of the tutorials. Um, gotten to know the team pretty well. And uh, this, this role opened up of, of design advocacy, which frankly was like pretty new to me. I didn't quite know what it meant. Um, and I was, of course, like a little bit scared about like uh, taking this on and, and leaving design a little bit or possibly leaving, you know, the, the feeling of like working eight hours a day in Figma and just doing like product design. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But being a design advocate at, at Figma um, means kind of a lot of things. Like so I'm officially like a part of the community team um, and we'll work with a lot of like designers and different companies. And, and my role is really focused on like three different things, which is. Um, connecting with companies and, and working really close with the sales team, which is something I've never done before. Like sales is such mm. a new world to me. Um, right. Uh, not as many gongs as you might think. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so sales is totally new and, and a lot of time is spent, you know, connecting with customers or potential customers. Um, the other part is working on like educational content and just trying to write like deep dives and, and higher level like write-ups on just how to use Figma and how to like take advantage of it or best practices or, or things learned and, and things like that. Um, and then the third part is just honestly working with the community and, and doing things like last night we had a, a San Francisco meetup and just bringing people together and, and trying to get people, you know, excited or, or closer together who already use uh, Figma. So it's kind of like three different worlds of design advocacy. And honestly, it's a role that's like growing pretty quickly. And like, even when I joined, I don't think it was fully figured out, which was part of the excitement. Right. Um, it felt like there was so much open and, and so much there to explore, but, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Do a lot of people ask you like if you miss design? A lot of people do it. And I ask myself that. <laughs> um, oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Cause I find like something similar for me, like ever since I've been a manager, like everyone's first question is like, Oh, do you miss design? And I was like, well, not really like i think i'm actually guilty like the very first time we met in person i was like hey kevin do you miss design (laughs) um (laughs) yeah literally everyone asks that and i think it's interesting like because maybe it's something about us like as designers where it feels like so much of our identity is tied with like our role yeah um and any change in like what that kind of title is like feels like we're kind of like letting go of our identity totally but at least like for me i felt like oh no like i still feel as connected as to design as ever like i don't feel like i'm i'm not participating in designs like it's just like i've changed what my primary tool is so like 
rather than like using Figma or Sketch or something like that to design most of the time, like my tool is feedback, like having conversations and like brainstorming with people. And like, of course, like I have a million side projects, so I always use design tools for, for stuff like for more personal things. But, um, but yeah, like for me, I just like never really, I don't feel like I left it and I don't feel like I miss it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same here, right? Like I, you know, I was worried when I, when I had heard about this position, like, of course, excited, right. But also a little bit worried, like, you know, you and I are still pretty young and I'm 26 and have only been, you know, in the field for a couple of years now, but like all I had known was design, right. Like Mm -hmm. opening, um, opening a a design tool, taking like a feature idea and like running with it. That was kind of my entire, like, you know, working career so far. Like, Mm -hmm. even though I'm young, that was, that was sort of all I knew. So like the question of, of asking myself, like, am I ready to like leave this and am I actually leaving it or am I just taking a break? Am I kind of exploring mm-hmm. another space of design were kind of like all things to consider. Right. Um, and it, yeah. it was sort of terrifying just to, to leave the world. And, and I think there's like a fear too, that at least I know I, I had of like, you know, if you're not practicing something every day, like how quickly are you going to deteriorate or, or become bad at that skill? Um, mm-hmm. if you are, you know, coming from a space where I was in Figma for eight hours a day working on product design, like, and all of a sudden that came to a stop and I was working on other things. Um, would my design skills like, you know, uh, relapse a little bit or would I regress a little bit? And I think those were a lot of things that I was thinking about. Um, right. How do you feel about it now? I know it's only been like 90 days, but yeah, I feel like it was a really great decision for myself to, to kind of, um, not move on, but try this new thing out. Um, because, you know, of course, like it's, it's Figma, it's a great company, a great group of people there. It's a, it's a tool that's becoming more and more popular. Um, but it's also like, I, I don't know when I would have the chance again to um, really explore like other sides of companies that I haven't gotten to explore before. So working mm-hmm. with sales and working with more of the business side of things, but also like, I, <laughs> I'm terrible at, I feel like I'm terrible at communication. And I was so nervous, you know, day one of, of jumping over at Figma, like, hopping on calls with clients and um, our, you know, account executives who have spent 90 days to six months on like, you know, reeling these larger companies in. I was terrified of like blowing it within the first hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. So I I had a lot of nerves about that, but like a big part of this job was wanting to just get better at communication and like feel more comfortable in front of folks. Right. Feel more comfortable, like um, talking about the tool that is Figma. So yeah, it's been 90 days now. And honestly, I, I really love it. It's, um, it's been really extremely different. Like, as you'd imagine, just not doing design. Um, I, I think I have like 30 minutes at my desk with headphones every day instead of like eight hours that I had before. (laughs) Um, right. uh, So, and it's certainly like, you know, I am, I'm very much an introvert. So I think the biggest challenge has been finding like ways and times to actually recharge. Um, because it's, you know, some days like, uh, I'll have like six hours of just either in person or on the phone with folks, um, on zoom now. And, and, and it can be a lot, but, um, I'm really enjoying it so far. And I've gotten to meet so many wonderful like designers and product managers and engineers who are just like excited about not, not only the tool, but just like the space of design. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's also opened my eyes of like living in San Francisco, of course. And like being a designer, like it's very easy to get yourself in a bubble and it's opened my design or my eye to just like how many designers don't yet know about like collaborative design tools or Figma itself, or just even like new ways of working that um, I think Figma and other tools are, are trying to chase after a little bit. So interesting. 
So you meet a lot of people that uh, they're like, Figma, what? Like, what is oh, that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I, wow. And I was really surprised by that, right? Because like you walk around San Francisco in a Figma shirt and everyone's like, oh, I know Figma or like, <laughs> right? Um, right. Everyone like knows the tool. And like, even in our like social circles, everyone's pretty familiar with Figma. Um, mm-hmm. But to, you know, to talk with like larger companies and especially companies who maybe aren't traditionally in like interface design, but are using um, design tools in ways that you might not expect, such as like, Hmm. label creation or um uh working with like uh you know different like physical layouts of objects and um just things that you would need like a a, an interface design tool for but aren't necessarily doing like ios you know uh design right yeah yeah, yeah. that has been super interesting because like that's just um it's the whole thing feels almost like this like verbal design or this communication like design challenge where you're having to like interface with the customer like hear their needs hear kind of their ways of working and then like see and kind of understand how figma might work for them and start to work with them on like how they can actually get started with the tool uh, which has been really really interesting that's awesome so one thing i wanted to ask because we've we've been asked many many times <laughs> i think uh listener ollie and like a few other listeners uh have been asking us ever since figma uh came out with the plugin uh, uh well i don't know if you call it store but like plug in space yeah um what what are the what are the best like most interesting figma plugins oh my gosh like, have you <laughs> have you seen like some interesting plugins lately that you think like people should take a look at yeah totally um so if you go to figma.com slash c actually that'll take you to our like plugin hub um and there's some really interesting why ones- c uh part of a larger project which uh, might become okay. apparent soon <laughs> but also just it was a really like quick way a key, click or a quick like keyboard shortcut just to, to go right pretty um, okay pretty yeah smoothly faster to type plug in <laughs> yeah and oh my gosh so this is um one thing to mention is like i've never been uh all of the companies that i've worked for in the past have either been like more sort of stealth mode or a little bit like smaller in nature so joining figma and like having one of the first projects that rolled out was plugins was like so interesting just to be a part of like a, a company that's quote unquote like so well known and like designers are really excited about it um it was really awesome to see the launch on on day one um but if you go to figma.com slash c and then you browse all the plugins um some of my favorites are actually one that i use pretty often is content reel by microsoft um so this is one that they developed for their internal team and then decided to uh publish publicly and um it's a great little plugin just to like pull in um like text strings, avatars, and icons all into your designs that are completely royalty-free. Um, and there's no, like, associated association with, like, names or anything to, to you know, possibly get you in trouble down the road. So it's kind of a nice way just to, like, populate your designs with uh, fake content that would hopefully help you kind of define, like, placement and your UI a little bit more. Um, Tom Lowry, another design advocate at Figma, he has created so many, like, too many to count. And... <laughs> Uh, he's probably making one right now as we're like talking. Um, <laughs> Tom's created for some pretty interesting ones. Um, one of them uh, was called Themer. Um, and Themer was a plugin that allowed you to, or that allows you to kind of create, um, uh, it, it allows you to like swap between styles from your libraries. Um, so you can like select things, kind of create buckets. Um, let's say like actually perfect for like a light mode or a dark mode if you're wanting to like mm. group different styles or components um, as part of those two different themes and then swap between um, and it's pretty awesome yeah because, I need like, to try this I want to make a, a dark mode for the layout website 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give this a shot. You totally should. And it, it, it's pretty interesting, too, like just the nature of plugins because they're um, uh, they're all open source. And a lot of uh, different folks will kind of like take, you know, the starts of a plugin and, and work to actually like either make it work better for themselves or for the company they work for. Um, and just it, it's it's been like a really positive, fun experience so far to see these. Um, Tom also wrote one, like if you're coming from Sketch, um, that uh, it's actually called components to page. And when you create a component, by default, it'll, so in Sketch, of course, like when you create a symbol, it'll send it to a symbols page. Well, the same mm-hmm. thing with this uh, plugin will, will kind of exist within Figma. Of, like when you create a plugin, oh, it'll send okay, it to a dedicated page. Yeah. Um, and he's working on some really like nice updates for it to allow you to kind of edit in place and things like that. But um, yeah, it's it's awesome to see like what people come up with and like so. I mean, even the team internally is just like we could not have imagined like the depth of these plugins, or, like the creativity coming out of them. Um, I forget the name, but there's one that allows you to have like chat conversations within Figma all via a plugin. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> like that's crazy. Really... I've definitely done the like text layer <laughs> chat conversation <laughs> yeah. before. Yep. But uh, yeah, no, this is this is pretty pretty insane. I also saw one. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but um, that basically like you press a button and it would like automatically like generate a bunch of layouts, like all sorts of like oh, yeah. kind of different types of layouts for you. Yep, it was like really like, really interesting. Yeah, it was actually like cathartic to watch. Right, like you would just see there was yeah. a gif on Twitter that went for like thirty seconds of like what thousands of layouts just created that were in all like random different orders. Yeah, and like a lot of them, you're like, well, just, you would never do anything with them. But some of them, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe that could be an interesting layout. Like, I could see myself using that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, there's there's some really useful ones in here. Like even just the simple things of like popping like an image from Unsplash or like generating a map from uh, Mapsicle, um, mm. or even doing like you know, of course, like your contrast checking on on different you know buttons and elements on the canvas, like. It's really made a big difference for for myself and and hopefully a lot of other designers. But it's been fun to see. I haven't I haven't built one yet. Though I do have an idea that I would love to, to love to work on. Um, mm. So we'll see. Hopefully that'll come to fruition. It'll be like it's like an easy enough one where I feel confident that I could do it, but also hard enough right. where I feel very scared if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully setting the bar. Yeah, right. I need to take a look. I haven't looked at like any of the API or anything like that yet. It's like it's it's weird because I'm just like I'm a. I have one thing I realized. I'm a very basic user I of my design about tools. That. Like I don't I don't typically do a lot of plugins or I don't do a lot of fancy things. Like even uh, when I use Sketch, like I I didn't use a lot of of symbols and like even in Figma either. Like sometimes or like the other day. Actually, I was at work and I was trying to, I forget exactly what I was doing. Like there was some kind of uh, mask or whatever. And I was like, why can't I resize this mask? And I spent like a couple minutes and then I like asked like a team member next to me. She was like, "Uh, I think that's like a, um, I don't know how you call it. Is this a symbol? Symbol? Yeah, symbol. She was like, oh, I think. In sketch it would be a symbol, yeah. Uh, but uh, how about in Figma? Oh, it'd be a, uh, we call them components over in Figma. Oh, component. Okay. And she was like, ah, actually, that's a component. Like, you need to de- like <laughs> detach it if you if you want to make changes to it. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so stupid. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, there's uh, such a, you know, there's such like a, there can be like a learning curve with these tools, but like, and I also totally get the, I also totally get the like desire just to go like very vanilla and like out of the box, right? It's like, 
it, it it's almost like if you can teach yourself to do it the hard way then it's like it will always be easier and that's kind of a nice thing to know <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say it's just like it's just like driving stick yeah <laughs> exactly if you can drive <laughs> i don't on think we recorded that part but <laughs> <laughs> i was telling kevin that like how i learned to drive stick was uh i uh, someone took me on the highway and if the basically the the premise was if you can drive stick on the highway then you can absolutely drive stick on any city road <laughs> uh so we got there doing okay definitely a little bit more dangerous to practice on the highway than to uh, uh install a plug-in but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, well you know yeah it's the principle speaking of uh speaking of dangerous the car things do you do do you do the scooters i i used to actually well so Sort of. I when I worked for Scoot, we were doing like the whole product was these like rentable uh, electric like Vespas, if you will. Okay. So they were the more like bigger scooters, kind of one seater. Um, but now, hmm. of course, like that was let's see, that was almost five years ago, and like since then, like wow. scooters have become the craze, right? Like the the stand up ones, hmm. I think, um, of course, are everywhere. Um, I believe it or not, I've actually I've never been on a rentable stand up scooter before. Um, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I will. I kind of want to, um, but I also just, I don't know. I, I haven't had like a, I guess like a need yet for it. Um, and I, I also like just being here in San Francisco, I've seen almost way too many accidents that just make me really scared. And like, Kevin, of all the ways to go out, I really don't want to go out on a rentable stand up scooter. Oh um, my gosh. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want that I, so to be the story. We just we literally like just like a couple months like a month or two ago got uh, uh lime and bird uh in here in Montreal and they're like honestly they're literally everywhere on the street. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Like dump dump in the middle of the sidewalk. I'm sure it was overnight, uh, right? Like, I found two in my parking garage the other day. <laughs> I don't know what the heck they're doing there. <laughs> um so uh, I think it was last week. I, I I was like I I gotta try one you know and so it was and it was like pretty late at night it was like nine ten something like that so we found like a nice street with like no cars mm-hmm. no traffic or anything a nice practice street I was like all right let's let's go and let's try it uh, and I think the one I tried was the bird one uh, and boy this thing is so dangerous <laughs> it goes so fast that's what everyone says They're like it went so much faster than I ever expected. It's crazy, and like, I, I'm I'm sure that like as you use it more and more, like you become more like better at controlling the speed. But I found that it was basically like either it went way too slow or it went way too fast. <laughs> it was really hard to get it in between. And one thing that I found, and I don't really know how this works. I guess like there's some kind of like Wi-Fi GPS kind of thing in into that or not really Wi-Fi, but like, you know, LTE mm-hmm. kind of signal. But uh, on this one street, there was one part of the street that was uh, restricted speed. Hmm. So basically like you the max speed was was much lower than like the typical max speed and then the other half of the street was full speed and the scooter would switch automatically which is like it's like kind of feels like a a good idea because it's like oh like it's kind of complicated like i often think like for cars like maybe cars should be limited to the actual max speed, like automatically, like if you were able to like know what the max speed is and like maybe you have a bit of a buffer or something and maybe that would make things safer. But honestly, when you're on a scooter and 
you're like going at the slow speed and then you just hit the magical point like in the middle of the street where it's like all right now it's like super super fast stop speed it is so dangerous and our streets are horrible (laughs) (laughs) we have so many potholes and it's just like i i i mean i see so many people using them and I am. I don't know how to do it. Like, I feel like it, I would be so worried. I like. I don't. I actually don't know that I would like use this. Uh, I, I so when you first started telling that, I thought you were going in the opposite direction. Where um, if you ride a boosted board, if anyone uh, listening also rides a boosted board, um, I used to back in the day and, and and sold it since, but it was Bluetooth connected, which meant there were pockets mm. within the city where Bluetooth connections just did not work. Um, oh, like you would have some sort of interference and what that meant is like these random sporadic spots within the city all of a sudden your brakes would totally cut out because the remote connection uh from the remote in your hand to the boosted board would totally die so oh <laughs> you would be like uh you know if 22 miles on a scooter is scary and 22 miles on a boosted board is even worse you would be going uh of course like that fast on a skateboard and then all of a sudden have no brakes and uh you know i was one of those people who did not grow up skateboarding. I was, you know, kind of learning as I went and like, wasn't the greatest at stopping. Um, (laughs) So that was terrifying. Like just to, you, you would start to like map out areas in the city where you're like, I know Bluetooth doesn't work here. Um, But man, yeah, I, I mean, honestly writing anything in the streets, like I, I know that we have like, you know, we're of course like trying to get better at like sharing the roads uh, with bikes all the time, but like most streets just aren't other vehicle friendly. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's so terrifying just to, to see like cars turning around corners quickly. And, and of course, like new people on scooters, just like maybe distracted by the excitement of it all. Um, be safe out there, please. Yeah, totally. My, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad you, I'm it's glad like, you but hopefully like they've been in Montreal, at least like they've been slowly, but surely like starting to add more, uh, bike paths, uh, on the streets. And so I honestly, like I would, I would tell people like, if you care about your life, uh, only use these things on bike paths. <laughs> it's too dangerous to use. Or, them on the like a very and the empty the room. app the app is like uh, uh, just so you know, like you have to use a helmet if you use our scooters. And I can tell you, I haven't ever seen anyone with a helmet. <laughs> I have never seen anyone either. <laughs> yeah, like who has a helmet? Yeah, like, I don't know. Anyways, uh, uh, well, I wish it was a setting actually, like that you could say, hey look i i don't care what the top speed of this thing is lower the top speed for me mm-hmm. like i need the training mode set your Maybe there is an option i don't know i haven't checked the app but we'll see <laughs> well glad you're okay all right glad so, you tried it. so so we've been talking for like 48 minutes and uh, we haven't even gotten to like the main topic <laughs> but uh, but be before we do uh let me tell you about our sponsor so our sponsor this week is pork bun if you're thinking of building your portfolio a dot .design domain name is the perfect TLD for you. Uh, that lets potential clients and employers know what you do before they even get to your website. Helps with your personal branding, looks great on your resumes, business cards, uh, and even for professional email addresses when you email clients. And right now, you can get a free dot .design domain name for an entire year with Porkbun. So it comes with free Whois privacy and SSL certificates, as well as a free trial of Weebly Site Builder. Uh, and so you can get a free do- uh, domain name and also get like a free portfolio up and running. 
Uh, so this is a super great deal, like no strings attached, like you can basically get a, a free domain name. So what you do is you head to parkbun.com and you search for any domain name that you want, like any domain name of your choice. Make sure uh, that it's the .design TLD and then you can use the coupon code layout on the checkout page to get your free .design domain name. So just head to parkbun.com now, use the coupon code layout um and get your your free domain name honestly like why not do this i think this this is a super great deal and uh pork bun's an awesome uh awesome company so uh check them out and our thanks to pork bun for sponsoring this week's episode of layout all right so main topic uh which we wanted to talk about last week but obviously we had to skip uh because rafa wasn't really feeling super well um iPhone. <laughs> this is the uh, the new uh, phone season. I think Google's about to have their their event soon. Although we know um, everything Google and... is going to uh, going to announce. <laughs> huh? Oh, I said we 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 already know everything Google's going to announce. Basically, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> been it's been so weird. Like it feels like Google was kind of prepared for a leak, but then I don't think they they anticipated like that much of a leak. <laughs> There was this this person who had like a full on like review on YouTube of the entire phone. <laughs> the actual like not just like a dummy unit or anything. Like he has the phone with like the shipping software running on it already months before. It's kind of crazy what's going on in there. A joke I've heard is uh, at the uh, Pixel Four event they're going to announce the Pixel Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean at this point, might as well. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, we had a lot of like hemming and hawing about like whether I would get the new iPhone and whether I would get the new watch. So what I ended up getting is uh, just a new phone. And the reason for that is, look, I use my phone all the time. And if you tell me that these cameras are much better than the ones that I have on my phone, um, like it's like, I can't buy better pictures <laughs> in the in the future like this is the such a at least for me like these pictures are like gonna be my memories and like in like 10 years i'm really gonna have appreciate like the better pictures uh much more so that was like kind of the reason and for the watch i'm still i mean i, I we can talk about that later like i'm still on the fence about it um so anyways, let's get into the watch later. But so I got iPhone 11 Pro uh, space, space gray. Yeah, I always I always want to say space black for some reason, but yep. <laughs> space gray. Um, and Joey, so you, what did you get? Well, so you were upgrading from the 10, right? And just the I was the upgrading from 10. the 10. Yes. Okay. Uh, I actually I'm I'm not I'm no longer a, uh, a pro. I, I just got the iPhone 11. Um, so I, I went from the 10s to the 11 and actually the reason is just because I'm on the upgrade program and with the 11, like I'm see, it's, it's such a great phone, which we'll, we'll get into, but like I'm saving 20 bucks a month, um, or $280 this year, mm-hmm. uh, or $240 this year and just in, just in not paying for the stainless steel and, and third camera. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it basically doesn't make any sense to get the pro. <laughs> I don't think for most people like I am I'm stupid so I like I get the pro <laughs> but, uh, but actually like I the one thing for me is that I use the camera on my phone a lot and I use I use the 2x zoom 
all the time. Like it's it's a feature that I use a lot, and I'm sure like I if I would have gotten the just the eleven, like it would have been fine. You know, even if you zoom a little bit, it's not the end of the world. Well, I'm just glad they included the like, uh, the ultra wide huh? camera in the eleven. Yeah, and you get the ultra wide camera. Like I think that decision made it so that like. 99% of people like don't need the pro because you've got literally everything that you need in the 11. So what do you think so far? I know you were kind of on the fence about like the map back and um, just how that would compare to the 10. Yeah. So I, I have very mixed feelings about the back. Is so it slippier? yes, it is a lot slipperier for me, but it feels great in your hand. Like it's a, it's such a, cool feeling uh i think like um i forget who i saw that mentioned this um they they said that the the feeling is kind of like the macbook feeling like if you touch the aluminum on your macbook it's kind of that same feel and it feels a lot better than the old phone that was like more i don't know more tacky but this is slippery as hell (laughs) I feel like I'm going to drop this phone and you, at any moment. I can't remember. Do you use a case? Are you a case person? I'm or... a no case person. Okay. I've never put any case on my iPhone. And also, I feel like this is a big point of pride for me. It's like I've never dropped my phone. Like I just I've never shattered it. I've never lost it. I've never like I just take care of my phone and, and nothing's ever happened. Knock on wood. Hopefully nothing's going to happen with this one. But uh, and I also don't get any like Apple Care stuff or anything like that but at this point honestly like i feel like i could destroy this phone run into the apple store buy a new one and i would still come out ahead oh, <laughs> of totally. getting like the apple care every time yep I'm, uh, I'm definitely... but yeah i just can't get myself to put it in a case like i just love the object so much like it just looks way better without a case in my opinion yeah i mean it's interesting right like after the maybe after like the iphone 7 after they switched from the aluminum back to the glass back it's like cases Mm -hmm. became all i mean you had to right like it was cases on both sides again from the from the iphone 4 and like these were getting so expensive um just year over year uh either you know naturally or or because of just like price inflation or whatnot but it just felt yeah it felt i I don't know irresponsible (laughs) to buy this expensive (laughs) a phone and not put it in the case right but but i'm like you like it feels so much better to have like just the device without the case and like you think about the money that you've spent on cases each year uh, and maybe multiple per year and like that combined with Apple <laughs> that's Care, true and, you know it just like it adds up super quickly yeah or like do you do the screen protector i do i i am one of those people i just like because i know it's i think the thing is i i know a scratch is going to be caused like by a loose piece of sand in my pocket um right and then just like something that i didn't cause or you know it wasn't an accident and i'm just going to be so mad when i see it like on this yeah. expensive device and it was just caused by like a piece of dust. Um, so for yeah. that, yeah. That was one thing that I like, I was very against the screen protectors at first. And then with this 10 for the first time, like my iPhone 10 got like a, this huge, like deep scratch, like in the middle of the screen. It's not very big, but it's very deep. Mm. Like you can feel it with your finger. And that was the first time I was like, okay, I see why people do the <laughs> screen protectors. So did you put one on after that? Like, could you still see the scratch or did you decide just to keep it off? Oh, yeah. I, w- I was like, at this point, like, this the screen is already scratched. So 
<laughs> it's like now like no no point in putting any anything on it like it's already it's already ruined but uh with this phone i don't know i still haven't put a, a screen protector on it mm-hmm. i'm hoping because they've, they've been saying like oh this is the toughest glass on an iphone or whatever i'm hoping that that will be enough for me i still just love uh, the ad that, that was put out yeah, where like fruit and bread are thrown at the iphone and it's like withstanding yeah. all of that like i just either it was meant to be hilarious like, or like super how about or... rocks and con- <laughs> concrete like that, yeah, or how about like are... carpet or <laughs> yeah um all of the silly ways that we like we break our screens um yeah I, I feel like those are a few of the things that i don't know that if that's like disingenuous on their part but i i feel like this and uh the water resistance where it's like they tout this as like a big feature of these phones but then the iphone is like uh, the the water damage is not covered under warranty so it's like they have ads that are saying like look you can put this in in the water and like this is great like no problem like you can have it like an hour underwater and everything will be fine and then if you do that and it breaks your phone they're like eh, not my problem yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so I feel like that's so ridiculous. The water. Yeah. It's like, I just, I, yeah. Well, especially like, like, it's such, I mean, as you mentioned, like you, you go to apple.com and like the first thing there is like an iPhone with like a watermark, like a, an actual yeah. like splash behind it. Right. Uh, for, yeah. but for that to not to be covered under warranties a little, especially now at like IP68, um, it just seems like it would be like a huge selling point of the phone. And like, if water got in, like certainly that's a manufacturer. Uh, I, I mean, I suppose it's hard to claim, right? Like, if there is like a, a, a time limit, so it's hard to, I guess, prove either which way. Um, but yeah, I'm still like, even with, even knowing that it's IP68 and waterproof or water resistant, like I'm still terrified to get my phone wet. Yeah. Like it's the same. Yeah. Same for me. Cause it's like, I don't know, like, am I going to be the person who puts it for like a minute underwater and then it's going to be ruined? Like, who, yep. who knows? I wish they did like... I don't know. And maybe this is, this is, you know, when you're a big corporation, it's like, these things aren't as easy, but I feel like they, they should be, uh, you know, you have water damage in your phone once or maybe once or twice. Yep. Uh, they like give you a pass. If you come back every month with water damage on your phone, then maybe <laughs> at some point they're like, well, you know, maybe you're looking for it, but maybe there's a pattern there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's, it, like either that or they shouldn't be allowed to advertise with water yep. <laughs> like one or the other like you can't you can't pick both it, it's almost like if they if they said like oh like this phone gets like 30 hours of battery and it's like i get my phone and it doesn't totally doesn't get that and they're like well Sorry. i don't know <laughs> like you know it's like yeah well so did you have a chance i know you got this the space gray but did you have a chance to see the uh the new midnight green I did, yeah. So I have a friend of mine who got it. Okay. Um, what do you think? What, what was have, your reaction? My God, uh, I mean, I don't even know like what I think about it. I think I think it looks exactly like it does in the pictures. It's very, very close to the the space gray. Like I, I think it's it's super tasteful. Um, like I think for a green phone. Like, this is probably, like, the best green for my taste that they would have picked. Like, I find this very tasteful and a very acceptable color. But I still prefer the space gray version. 
I do like how dark and like muted it is. And like one thing that was really, I, I got to check it out at the store. And like one thing that's really interesting is just like how it changes so quickly based on the light. Um, mm-hmm. And also yeah. like what they did with the uh, the stainless steel. Um, it's it's not as dark gray, but like, or it's not as dark green uh, as, as the back, but like it just matches super well. And honestly, yeah. I, I think like for so many of us who who have been buying the, uh, um, the I guess the more expensive phones, it's just nice to have like a third option there finally. Right. Um, it's not the most exciting color, but it's an option. Yeah. Have you uh, uh, gotten to use the the cameras a little bit, like the night mode and the wide angle camera? Yeah. And uh, so my my fiance Kristen has a Pixel, so of course when when mm. uh, Night Shift came out, she was really excited for that, but. Um, I was playing with it and it's, it's pretty remarkable. Like I was standing on our, on our patio, um, like a dork, just taking photos in the dark, like trying to like get at the darkest space that I could find. And it's pretty amazing, like what it actually captures. And of course, like if you, you know, if you keep the aperture open, of course it's going to capture light, but I was surprised by, you know, holding it, uh, just, you know, handheld. And like, I was surprised mm-hmm. by the, the actual like clarity of the photo because yeah. three seconds is a long time to like stand there and let it capture. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's been a lot of fun to play with. And I, I feel like it's, even though it's not something that's, that's brand new, it's like it gives you another reason to, like, find find an excuse to, like, take a photo or just kind of play around a little bit more or, or get creative, um, maybe in, like, a new way that you had before. Yeah. Uh, how, how does it compare uh, to the Pixel for you? Um, I guess what I've seen is, like, it's a little bit sharper on the iPhone. Um, hmm. And it's, it's a, just some of the shadows are a little bit more realistic, like darker where you would expect, but also lighter where you, where you would expect. Um, I mean, they are so close and it's going to be interesting to see what happens next month. But um, yeah. I think it's just nice to like finally have this option, uh, right? Like, and for, for iPhone users to be able to use it and to, to play around with it. Um, certainly, like, yeah, definitely a little bit, a little bit clearer, but I guess that's to be expected with a, an upgraded sensor this year. Yeah. I I found well actually it really depends like I flip flop on which one I like best between the Pixel and the iPhone for mm-hmm. uh, dark mode pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I find that like technically speaking, the iPhone at least to my eye, the iPhone results in like sharper pictures, um, and a little bit more natural in some cases. Mm-hmm. But I do find that there's something about the pixel pictures that are maybe just like a little bit more dramatic or something like in I feel like in the way that the sensor is tuned, there's something there that I still like where yeah. it feels like the iPhone is more maybe more uh, more neutral yep. and try to not have a judgment like pixel has like a very clear sort of perspective on how images should look um, that. Actually, I actually happen to really like. <laughs> I think it, I mean it does a great job, and I think too with the pixel, it's like it it ensures that you like get the shot. Like I've you're standing there and like you have a shaky a shaky hand, or maybe you hit the shutter a little bit too late. Like I at least with like Kristen's experience, like it always gets the photo. Um, whereas like the iPhone, I feel like does mm. slip in some cases where it's either a little bit blurry or not as clear as you want, or maybe you totally missed it uh, in general. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I guess like it's interesting to see like computational photography start to take over in the iphone but it's been pretty fun to watch like what google has done with it yeah totally yeah so i i still don't feel like the iphone has like totally won the 
mm-hmm. the spot of like the best smartphone camera yet. Yep. I, don't think, I think it's like design. closer than ever, but again, we'll see what Google comes out this this year. Yeah. Um but I do any- feel like uh you know compared compared to my iPhone 10, it's like miles ahead and I finally like <laughs> got rid of my uh, exposure problem, which I'm so happy with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're mentioning. I feel like, like I've un- been the only person complaining about this. <laughs> but so my I actually iPhone overexposed every single picture before, uh, and now it's like much, much better with the new. Um, I think they call it like the smart HDR thing. I'm still um, trying to figure I've, out what uh, Deep Fusion is. Uh, the the sweater feature. Yeah, <laughs> it was so yes. hard to like kind of... sweater mode. <laughs> It was so hard to kind of like depict like what they were trying to say on stage without actually like going into it. But yeah, so I mean, I wonder if there's like something later coming this year that would like even, you know, of course, like make the experience of the photos a little bit better. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I just like I took a picture today. I'm like so impressed. Like the the way they do the HDR on this phone mm-hmm. is just absolutely incredible. So like, I'll put a link in the show notes to this picture. It, it just like it's like there is bright like sunlight kind of in my face and it's like doing a great job at like exposing like so that everything looks nice even if like some parts of the image are are super bright and some of them are super dark and just like keeping like an overall like really nice uh kind of like balance of these things it is pretty remarkable it's Um, incredible too like yeah i'm super happy about the about this purchase (laughs) i feel like ever since i learned about how apple is like really trying to like sharpen hair and eyes and kind of like facial features but also trying to like soften the sky and, and things that are more in the background that's kind of all i can pay attention to as i'm like trying to take these photos a little bit more um, yeah and, and i guess what they were saying with this new version is like because they used to do agr um uh, so basically the the idea with agr is you take one picture that's slightly underexposed, one picture that's slightly overexposed, and one picture that's like normal. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of like merge them together. So for the dark parts of the image, you will go take the overexposed image, which will have more detail. So you kind of like fill in the, the blanks, like both on the shadows and the highlights with those. But what they were saying is with this new version is they're actually running machine learning to adapt like how much they they take like the sensor data from which image based on what it is so it's able to recognize Mm -hmm. okay this part of the image that's actually a sky so what should we do with skies (laughs) like should we make them brighter and darker okay this is a face like and so they actually like adjusted based on the sort of like semantic of what that object is rather than applying like a global effect it's incredible it's pretty wild like i know we take our like year year over year like updates for granted but it's incredible how fast it's all moved yeah i it's like in a way i kind of wish uh and i think gruber was saying this like kind of wish apple made a camera (laughs) because it's like no matter how good this iphone can get and like it's getting really good year over year like it's still like obviously doesn't compare with my what like at least five-year-old olympus mirrorless camera um but imagine if it had like all of that technology it would be incredible well a lot of people were buying the uh the 3a for that reason right like it almost felt like mm-hmm. a 300 dollars camera instead of a 300 dollars phone yeah yeah that's true have, have you, uh, um, but honestly iphone is like still the camera i have with me most of the time so have you messed around with the uh the new wide angle lens at all 
I have a little bit. Um, so I would say I like it. Um, I think it gives you like interesting perspectives. Um, like there's a lot, I do a lot of sort of, um, I don't know how you call it, like street photography, like Mm -hmm. architectural photography stuff. Um, and for that, it's super useful. Um, that being said, like there's a thing that really bothers me. Like it bothers me that this lens is worse than the other ones. Yeah. It's noticeable for sure. And I can totally notice it. Like if I'm not in the best conditions, like in bright environments, then I almost can't bring myself to use this lens because it's like it's so noticeably worse than the other ones. And the other ones are so good. Um, but yeah, like I do think it's it's really interesting how it's like giving you a totally different way to tell stories through photography Mm -hmm. and i think that is super powerful and like super interesting yeah it's fun just to like i mean just like uh nightmare just to have like something new to play around with and like try to explore a little bit yeah yeah but honestly i've already i feel like i've gotten a lot out of this this camera already in just like a week um so i'm i'm like i'm pretty happy about it oh i want to ask um what do you think of battery life so far that was like the big point battery life is amazing is it really good yeah. Um, so typically, like, I would get home and I would have, like, in a normal day, I would have maybe, like, 30% battery. <laughs> and right now I have 54. Um, it's And it's, like, honestly, like, it's what? Like, maybe a, this is, like, a 25% difference. Um, this is noticeable. Yeah, me. that's super like, meaningful. Yeah, it, and it's. I don't think it's crossed yet the point where it's like, oh, don't even worry about the battery life, kind of like the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. But it, like, it, it's a difference between like I get home and I plug my phone <laughs> into. It's I do. Um, I I like have like a a cable that I put like in my couch. <laughs> so <laughs> I used to, like get home and like plug my phone in the couch. The couch um, station. Now I don't have to do that anymore. And then if I like stay out late or anything like that, like before I would sometimes like bring in like an external battery or something like that, just in case. Um, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. Uh, I love it. Like it's just such a nice like peace of mind. To just be like, no, like my phone's just like gonna have battery life for this pretty much this entire day and be totally fine. Um, I'm I'm going on vacation in like two weeks uh, after the after my talk, um, so that will be like the real test. It will be interesting. Like I will, I will for sure bring like the external battery pack for this, um, just in case because when you're traveling, it's always crazy. But if I'm able to get through like most of my days without needing the battery pack on vacation, this will be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of people, even without like the camera upgrade, just to have that at like additional battery life, battery life made such a difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah and so was... you went from the 10 S to the 11. Yep. How's that been for you? Like in terms of battery life? Yeah. Uh, so my 10 S like after a year, it's at 90% capacity. Um, I try like, I, I almost hate that Apple put the ability for you to like check what your battery capacity is just because <laughs> it like makes you sort of compulsive. Like, Oh, what is it today? Um, or like, Oh no, I went down a percent. Um, right. 
but uh yeah it is such a difference like i i think especially towards the end of this year like i it, it just wasn't lasting super long and and like you I, I became pretty paranoid especially when like traveling or on the train for a couple hours like just making sure that i i either had a battery with me or um, some sort of backup right um yep. but it's been yeah i mean going from the 10s to to the 11 now it's it's huge difference um you know whether it's because of just the the increase like size of the phone um but also, of course, like Apple's doing so much with the A13 this year as well. Um, it's just, it's nice to be back in like that eight, the iPhone 8 Plus territory where like you just had a phone that went all day long. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm still a little bit undetermined about the size. Like I love the size of the 10s and, and now the 11 Pro. Um, and and it really is like, it doesn't seem like it's a big jump to go from the 11 Pro to the to the 11, but the screen, I mean, just the, the whole device is, is definitely much bigger, a little bit wider. So it's... Still mm-hmm. kind of growing on me, um, but it, I actually do like the aluminum bands a little bit more than the stainless steel for whatever reason. Right. I know it doesn't feel as premium, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm actually carrying just like a, like a block of aluminum and glass around uh. with me instead of like kind of this like jewelry device that was the uh, the iPhone, 10S, <laughs> I suppose. You got the black one, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. It looks great. I love, I could, yeah, because this one, the one I have, like, the Pro is very gray. Like, it's it's definitely not black. And, like, the 11 is actually, like, a much deeper black. I don't know if it's totally black or still sort of, like, a dark grayish kind of color, but... It's much darker than the than the Space Gray 11 Pro, for sure. Um, yeah, like, for me, I definitely like the look of, of that one better um, than even, like, the, the 11 Pro. Uh, I think the, the downside so far, like... The for better or worse, the LCD is certainly noticeable. Going from an OLED to an LCD again, mm. uh, definitely miss like the the super super blacks at, at night. Um, the uh, <laughs> the off center lightning port really bothers me. <laughs> right? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize like how much of a face it actually looked like until owning uh, this phone, which is kind of hilarious. Like, I would I pay totally... the extra money just for that. Right? No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is why this is why people tell me I'm an Apple fanboy or whatever. We have the uh, 11 with but, the off-center no, lightning port. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's annoying. I also like, I think the last other thing that would, that, again, it, it's like a bunch of things that totally don't make sense when you look at it with like a rational kind of set of eyes but even like the fact that the um sort of like the bezel around the screen is like yep. a couple millimeters thicker you absolutely like, i'm sure it is like a thing you get used to after like a day using it yeah but i will say like i um i am on the trade-in program so i still have like my my tennis here ready to send in and they're mm-hmm. both on my desk and it's like you pick up the 10s or the 11 pro and it's like it there is such a difference like it does feel mm. like the screen really does feel much more like edge to edge and a little bit more futuristic right interesting the, the thing that's weird about this year is like i i didn't really want to upgrade from the 10s right but because i'm on the mm. upgrade program it i'm either paying the same price for an old phone or the same or lower price for a new phone and it's hard right. not to feel really wasteful um kind of in this new era of like apple technology with like of course, like the watch over your updates, and I, I was, I was laughing last time, Kevin. You said you're like, I'm just gonna buy the new Apple hardware year over year. That's just, <laughs> I've come to that realization. <laughs> like I've just come to, I've come to terms with it. Well, I, what I say is like, I buy every time the hardware, like the design of it changes. I'm, I'm right. gonna buy one. Like I, 
I'm like, I'm gonna buy one, but at least you're honest about it. I do feel like I'm not too bad. Like for example, like I've skipped the 10s. Like I typically skip the S. Yep. Version and then get the every other year. Yeah, and I, I know they're recycled for the most part, but it it does definitely feel a little bit wasteful. Like yeah. I I'm not quite ready to like move on from the 10s, but like the new one was here, and it, again it's like, well, I would mm-hmm. I suppose I'd rather pay forty dollars a month for the 11 versus the sixty dollars a month for the 10s, right? Um, right. So. But yeah, I mean, overall, could you could you like cancel the Apple thing, like the upgrade? Yeah, plan so or whatever? I guess like technically the way to cancel it is just to pay the old phone in full, right? Because it's like uh, after each year okay. you're paying half the loan, and after one year you're able to upgrade to the new phone on the program. So mm. really, it's like you could continue paying, you know, on the phone and just pay it off to actually like exit the program, or you could upgrade to the new phone, and like I said, you know, pay the same amount or a lower amount. So right. Um, yeah, it, it's a weird one this year. Like, I, I think the next year's phone will be super, super exciting. Um, I do think that, like, the, the 11 is, the 11 and the 11 Pro, like, they did such a killer job, especially if you care about the cameras. And um, honestly, like I said earlier, like, battery life alone, I think, is a reason to upgrade for, for a lot of people. Um, so we'll see. But I I like it so far. And it, it feels, you know, it's a bigger phone, but it feels nice to go back to, to a larger size. Um Especially... Oh yeah, that was one thing when you mentioned it that uh, I was like, I think that would be the ideal size for me. The eleven. <laughs> I, I was yeah, I was very unsure uh, between getting the eleven uh, Pro and the eleven Pro Max, and I just like could not get myself to do the Pro Max because it, it is just too big mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really really big yep. but i feel like i could i could do a little bit bigger <laughs> than the 11 pro yep. so it's like this is basically the 11 which is like kind of smack in the middle of the two it's a good size yeah and so like, uh, maybe I, I guess like through this i'm realizing maybe i should have gotten the 11 but <laughs> but yeah i don't know like I, it's I, I yeah I feel like it's harder and harder to justify having the um, Apple like yearly upgrade program. Yep. Especially like now as they're moving to sort of like a three year major upgrade cycle. I just feel like there's there's not as many reasons to upgrade probably for most people like every single year. Mm-hmm. So, but you know we're we're crazy people who upgrade our phones all the time so <laughs> it's um, like i i sometimes tell, tell myself oh it's like oh that's something i need for my work you know <laughs> it's like i need to get the latest and greatest to know totally. everything that's, uh, that's it's happening. fun and i feel like especially for for if you're in, in tech or design it's just like it's something to look forward to and something to like play around with a lot especially when there is a new feature or something that like really defines like the next generation um yeah you know it's helpful Oh, one one question I wanted to ask you. What do you think of the new camera UI? Oh, yeah. Um, I like it a lot. The one thing that bothers me, and I... So if you open up the phone, and like, there are two new interactions, which is like you can hold the shutter button and drag it to the right to start taking a video. Is that right? Yeah, so you can hold it to start taking a video and then drag to yeah. the right to lock it. Um, yeah. Or you can drag, you can hold and drag to the left to start doing the... Uh, to, to go into burst mode. The only thing that I sort of dislike about that is, like, there's no UI to actually indicate that you're going into burst mode. Like, it's just, like, an assumed interaction. Um, And I I feel like that's one of those, like, really hard-to-discover things, especially if you're used to, like, tapping tapping and holding on the shutter button to, like, take a bunch of photos. Yeah. Um, I I kind of feel like... (laughs) 
<laughs> it's Apple saying like, let's face it, nobody uses <laughs> the totally. first mode. Totally. Was, I don't so, know why that was. Like I think the one. they didn't want to remove it entirely, but it's like they've they buried it. Like I don't I don't think most people will find it. Uh, I love the fact that you can just like press and hold the button to yep. record a video. There's one thing though that I think is like slightly unfortunate as a result of that is that it records it like keeps the aspect ratio you have for the camera for to for photos. So it doesn't actually switch to like the wider like sixteen by nine aspect ratio when you do that. Uh, so say that again. I'm trying that now. I just switched to sixteen. Yeah. By nine. So so like when you have when you take a picture, it's sort of like a four by three mm-hmm. aspect ratio. If you press and hold the button, it will oh, record a, a video in four by three and not sixteen by nine. Yep. Which I feel like who wants to record videos <laughs> in four by three? Yep. Like nobody wants to do that. Well, one thing and I really I don't want to s- switch my my photos to be to be uh, sixteen by nine either. I w- you know one thing I do like though is that you can like swipe up to access those a little bit more easily yeah. now. Um, but yeah, right because it's like it's either one or the other, and like you can't just switch between easily if you're right. Like who's gonna record a video in in four by three? Exactly, <laughs> and that's super strange. Yep, I do like the uh, uh, the new UI for like editing photos. Um, I yeah. think they did a really, really good job with that. So when you tap on a photo or even a video and you hit edit now, um, you can start to actually, like they just have a lot more options in here for what you can actually sort of adjust and change. And I, I think the UI for the, the sliders is super clever. Um, they have this great thing where you can like slide the scale, of course, and then you see, um, what would you call that? Like, a, I guess the dial um, for that setting, either kind of fill or subtract. One of the things that I find like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you like it, but the uh, how like in the viewfinder, the sort of black bars kind of like are semi-transparent uh, around your photo. Yeah, I. I yeah, like, ahead. what do you think about it? Um, I I don't know if I'd ever really have a like. So the use case there is what you're holding your phone and you're seeing that like oh like that is actually outside the image. Maybe I should switch to the wide angle. Hmm. Um, I can't tell or I'm not sure like if they're capturing I'm curious if like if you're are you losing that data after you take the photo can you go back and like if you accidentally did cut someone off or or cut the horizon off or something like can you go back and kind of recapture that yeah so there's a setting um, that you can turn on and basically when you do that it'll capture both the normal and then the uh, wider angle picture so you can like at any point like you can go back and like extend the crop to get say an additional person in or what i thought was very compelling which is um if you need to adjust the perspective you can do that without like a cropping into your image because you're kind of using the the data that's like right outside right um which is something i do all the time so that's super neat and then if you haven't done that like in a while it, it'll eventually like delete the the additional data that it doesn't need so i think that's cool um but i i do find it much harder to frame my pictures because somehow i like my brain can't help but like kind of also frame according to what i see (laughs) and so i'm like i'm not convinced about that one thing that's interesting is that the ui actually like the bars sort of get darker sometimes if it detects that there's kind of like a main subject or something, 
it'll go darker. I think that's like an acknowledgement that is maybe like not always the best. But I find that that the way that they detect sometimes detect an object and sometimes don't is not 100% reliable and I feel like I if they had the option to just turn that off, I think I would probably yeah. turn it off. I, I did notice too, like if you're outside in like really bright conditions, it's pretty hard to like tell what's inside of the frame if you're trying just yeah. if you're shooting with the uh, the standard camera uh, versus the ultra wide. So I'm not sure. May, I, I'm curious if they'll make any updates. But like, do you do you think they should have done that or, or in a different way or should they have just omitted that altogether? I don't know. So like, part of it I think is is definitely one it looks cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's face it like i i think it is impressive that they're doing both cameras at the same time and if you don't look closely it looks like it's just like a single like the same camera feed um like it is a main selling point of this phone so i think they wanted some to have some kind of way to visually showcase that even when you're not using the lens um so basically like i think they did a, a good job on on all of it like they did the best that they could and even like trying to like darken the top and bottom whenever they feel like it should be darkened but i i think the one thing that i wish is they just gave gave me an option like yeah. <laughs> just the default is correct like seems like it makes sense i understand their their decisions but as like a quote-unquote pro photographer i find that it's like I can know whenever I want to shoot wide angle and I know when I don't and just like, let me put the black bars and let me like make that my own decision. Um, well, I think yeah. if there's one thing about the camera app, we know that they're never going to give us options inside of the camera app, including <laughs> yeah. like when to switch from uh, 60 to 30 and, and things like that. That's true. Yeah. Um, one day, one day. Yeah. Uh, the front All right, great. so oh. we're uh, getting pretty long, so I yeah. want to hit like the our next few points um, pretty quickly. So yeah. um, we had a thing in the notes. So did I get the new Apple Watch? No, I didn't. I wanted to see it in person to see is like when it's in the not in the active mode. Is it super dim or is it like bright enough? And so I went to the to the Apple store and I tried like basically all of the different models. Um, and I, I got to try like the ceramic one. I got to try the titanium one. And it was funny because the guy um, was like, oh, yeah, there's like two titanium models. Like there's the uh, the normal one and then the, the sort of I forget how they call it, like darker titanium mm-hmm. or black titanium or whatever. Um And I'm like, oh, like, let me see the darker titanium. And like I like put it on and I'm like. Oh wow! It really looks. Uh, it looks very similar to the uh, aluminum one. That's what I've like, heard. Yeah, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, like it looks a lot like aluminum." And he's like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> he was like, "Oh, actually, I gave you the aluminum." Oh one. my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's like I after when he showed me, like I could tell a little bit of difference, but you have to get really close. Like, yeah. I, personally, I don't think it would be worth spending the money to get the that black titanium one like Mm -hmm. unless you just want to know for the hell of it that you got the fancy (laughs) one but i don't think like anybody could tell the difference um so turns out like the when it's i didn't never know how to call it like when it's like quote-unquote off Mm -hmm. (laughs) screens on um it is it is still very bright like i almost could not tell the difference between the two states um 
So in that aspect, I think it's it's very good. Um, one thing that's interesting that I did not think about is that the screen is not active when it's in that mode. So say you're looking at your watch and it's like the screen is on, it's inactive, and you tap on something, it won't tap on the thing. It'll just like wake up the watch, which is kind of like I understand, but it's kind of weird. Like, and it's potentially like misleading sometimes that you think, oh, I can just like start interacting with it. And it's like, oh no, like it's actually in a sort of off mode. And then like it it takes one tap to kind of like start interacting with it. Um, So honestly, basically this is what I said. I like, I I said that I would buy a new watch just for this. (laughs) It gets as close as like what I was imagining it would be. But I still can't bring myself to buy one. <laughs> like, I really can't. It just feels so wasteful because, like, I, the one that I like the most of all of them is the one I have. So I would literally be buying, like, a, a completely identical one that <laughs> looks exactly the same. And that literally the only difference is that the screen is on, like, all the time instead of, instead of not. It's also funny, it's, like, for a feature that you're not, like, actively using every day, you know what I mean? It's more of, like, a passive feature that's there versus, like, a new enablement. Yep. Yeah, the phone really feels like, look, I'm actively spending a lot of time on it. It's, like, a creation device Mm -hmm. for me. Whereas the watch, it's, like, it's nice to have. And, like, I will love the always-on display when I have the whatever version in the future that has it. But boy, like, it just feels like this is a lot of money. Like, and this just feels wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> just throw Especially this away buying, like, the after using minimum. it a year. And obviously, I would, like, try to resell it to someone and everything. But the resale value on the watch is not as good as uh, the phones are. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to wait it out, I think. That's Especially fine. if you're buying, like, the non-aluminum models. It's, like you said, it's just so expensive to, like, it feels wasteful. It's super expensive. Um, yeah. And for what you're getting, you know, I mean, it's an incredible update, right? It's, I think it's super clever how they implemented it. It's something that a lot of people have been asking for. But if you're only, yeah, I don't think it's worth the upgrade. Yeah, I think if you if you have like uh like before Series Four, totally upgrade. This this will be like an amazing upgrade for you. But if you have a Series Four, yeah. So is this one <laughs> like, of those things? Know. Is this one of those things you feel absolutely sure about, or will we hear in a couple of weeks that you uh, you caved in and got it? I mean, anything's possible, really. <laughs> but I I do think that like I feel comfortable at least as of now not having it. Like, and I have seen it. I have tried it in person. I think it's really nice, but I really like. I feel like it's much more of like a manufactured need <laughs> this point, where it's like. I can live with this watch for another year and it'll be totally fine. And maybe next year I'll, I'll get it. All right. So uh, there was another point in here that I think you added. Did yeah, you, I, did you want to talk about it? Yeah, I guess I was sort of curious about like, um, I think this year, especially just like the, I don't want to say the pressure, but like what we expect from these events in September. Um, right. Because like, you know, from 2007, like year over year, we've, we've expected like a, a big, like delivery from Apple or, or something really large or like a new kind of class of product or a new innovation. And especially this mm-hmm. year, right? Like the, the entire tagline was, um, uh, by innovation only, which was right. really clever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when you get down to it, like it wasn't a lot there. Um, like 
technically speaking, yes, but for like the average consumer, maybe not so much. Um, I was just sort of curious to get your thoughts of like, do you, is it realistic that we're expecting like this much or that like some of us do feel some of, you know, diehard Apple fans like do feel disappointed um, by the event? And like, how do we, how do we judge that like 13 years, almost 13 years after the launch of the original uh, iPhone? Like, how do we anticipate these? Yeah, I think it's, I'm forgetting what was the, I think it was like the, there's, more time in between like the the current phone wait <sighs> okay i don't i don't actually know these these facts but like it, that, that basically like the the ios has been around for longer uh than it has been between i think it's like um os what is it mac os 9 mm-hmm. and mac os 10 or something yeah, like that like yeah. some something like that where it's like it, we think about like the iphone i think about the iphone as still like relatively new platform that's still kind of like evolving and but it is actually like pretty old at this point yep and i think i feel like as a result like we just can't accept uh expect a revolutionary magical device like the iphone to happen every year like it's just there's just not really anything there and i think we've gotten the apple watch which has been at least to me like an improvement in my life like i think is a good very valid product i don't expect them that they will like blow me away every year like I think that's just the reality of what it is. I think one thing that I think has changed is their presentations used to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And right now it's like they're good, but it's it's not Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. Like Steve Jobs was like a masterclass in how can you like convince someone of something and they were just interesting in and of themselves like as watch like a master at this thing like just talk and he would i find that he would talk about design in a way that none of the the current like apple executives do yep like he would be like here's the iphone 4 right like you might be wondering what are these ugly bar like bars on it right and and he would like break it down and like address specifically like what someone might think like oh but like that's kind of weird or oh that's wouldn't make sense and he would explain to you like why that makes sense and why the thing that like in all the leaks and all the stuff that we were all like oh my gosh these bars are so ugly that it's like no i will tell you why you want these bars to be there and why <laughs> it's awesome right why we like, designed it that way yep yeah and i found that that was really cool and that was really exciting and even like seeing steve jobs like sort of like the ad lib of like telling everyone to turn off their wi-fi and everything like there's just like something that it feels like you wouldn't see today anymore um so i do think that in that sense like the events have gotten a little bit less exciting anymore but i don't think it's like i don't think it's anyone's fault right like like steve jobs is just not alive anymore and so there's not much they can do there and like there, I don't think there's many other people that can do that same kind of thing. So I think, like, generally speaking, like, they have done a good job, like, 
continuing to push things forward. And I think like the 10 series phones um, are just like a proof, a good proof of that. And like not every year is going to be incredible, but I still think they're generally like on the, on the right track for things and doing interesting stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly like to your point, like it was, it was interesting just to tune in, just to hear him speak. Right. And just to see like how he would deliver. And it was like a lesson in itself. Um, where now it's much more of like, you know, and especially the rumors too, right? Like I feel like that's actually degraded the yeah. the, uh, the the talks or the events much more than in the past, and it's hard, you know, just with the amount of like supply and like the the amount of manufacturing that goes into it. Um, but yeah, I definitely miss that. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do feel because it's like I feel like it's kind of unfair. Like a lot of people are saying like, oh, like all the the Apple keynotes now now are getting very boring. Um, and I think the hardware events have gotten maybe a little bit less exciting, but the software side of things, I think that has gotten way more exciting than it was like, if you watch like the, the first like iPhone software update, the, uh, uh, keynotes, it was like, they spent an entire keynote talking about how like you could get push notifications now, <laughs> you know, like there's like so many things where it's just like, it wasn't that that interesting and now like the pace at which they're introducing like new features updates is really like incredible and to me like those are my my favorite keynotes are like all about software and i think those are are so great and the reality is like we can only push like the actual hardware so far uh it before it becomes an actual like single screen you know incredibly flat but like i i do think especially what they've done with like um iOS and iPad OS, especially I, that is, it's been awesome to see. Um, and like, as a user trying to use my iPad more, um, it's been really, really exciting to have. It's also like, I think they're getting better too at addressing like the big concern was always like discoverability and iOS. And I, I think mm-hmm. they are getting slightly better at that. Like I would say the, the copy and paste and, uh, functionalities like aren't the best right now with like the thing, three finger, three fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like that is, I can't even remember that. Um, so but yeah, we'll see. I, I, next year will be interesting, and, and it seems like maybe there's one more this year in October. So yeah, we'll see. Like if they do another one, like that one should be the interesting one with hopefully the new MacBook uh, or MacBook Pro, I should say. Yeah. Um, I guess updated iPad, which I'm not that interested in, mm-hmm. um, and then hopefully some kind of like tile tracker thing. Yeah, which could be interesting. Do so you, do you yeah, use we'll this right now? Like, would you have Sorry? any? For, do you use any tiles right now? Like, do you? Are you I a person don't who uses <laughs> actually. Um, so I don't know why I'm excited about it, but um, I, like maybe I would put one on my keys or something, mm-hmm. just to, just to try. Like, because I have forgotten my keys like at the in an Uber or something like that before. Yeah, like having that ability to like at least tell where they are would be yeah. useful. Like, I feel really excited for it, but I also realize, like, I'm not a person who loses things. Often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, yeah, there, there are my AirPods right there. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's that's the one thing that's um, that's cool about the new. I, I don't know if it's in iOS 13 or if it requires some kind of new hardware or what. But um, the fact that you're uh, that like find or I guess it's called find my now. Mm-hmm. That find my would be able to uh, discover your devices, even if they're not connected to the internet. 
where they would kind of detect that your device is around through some kind of like sort of Bluetooth thing that the devices kind of like report the locations of others. Yep. Because um, I've gotten that very often where it's like, where are my AirPods? I don't know. And they're not connected to the internet. And yep. it's like, good luck finding them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that yeah, that part so that especially will be, be exciting. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to see actually like what the, if it's true, like what the physical device looks like and how it would actually attach to different things. Because like, I think the challenge of tile is like, and just the the category in general is like every thing that you would stick it on or attach it to is slightly different or like right because there, there's just no like convention of how you would attach something to another object um mm-hmm. so we'll see yeah curious cool awesome so um let's get into recommendations okay cool um so my recommendation actually just came out today uh it's called moon plus plus and if anyone knows um, underscore David Smith, he is a developer, and he um, basically this is a, a ninety-nine cent app, and it gives you a new moon complication on the watch. Uh, and I thought it was kind of funny. Like he wrote a blog post about it, just saying like how the app kind of came to be, and it was just like a frustration of how the um, how Apple's like moon complication appeared, and like how it actually wasn't very accurate at times. Um, and I just found it so interesting, like for a developer. Uh, especially not like a native designer to like just kind of take note of this but also like he did such a good job recreating all of the realistic uh, moon phases as well as like these um, kind of more like cartoon uh, less realistic ones Um, but I just thought it was like an awesome story of like a a nice like weekend project of like kind of noticing something and and, you know spinning up a small app to like solve the problem for the watch Um, I I personally love like always seeing it, uh, always seeing the moon complication. Just like it's kind of like a nice reminder, and you start to like pay attention a little bit more. Um, but yeah, this is uh, it's called Moon Plus Plus. He also does um, Pedometer Plus Plus, which is a, a popular one. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, so this is this is my uh, recommendation. Time timely enough. Yeah, and I haven't tried the the app yet, but I saw him uh, tweeting about it. So. Is it true? I, I, I guess I don't know if you need a new watch for that, but like, um, in the app, like you were able to basically like see as you like rotate, like where the moon is. Yep. Uh, and he had like this video where it's like moving around. And it's like, boom! There you go. There you see the moon that's like aligned with your watch. Yeah, and he, he also gives more like um. So if you're using the the modular watch face, like he gives uh, a new complication, so you can actually have like the description of what the phase is. Um, oh, nice. as well as like the rise and set times so i mean i'm no <laughs> no moon nerd but it, it is kind of like interesting and, and cool to like see this and again just like the story of like a developer trying to fix something that you know was sort of bothering him and like came out with a really creative cool solution yeah nice all right so my recommendation this week is totally different from <laughs> i think any recommendation i've ever given before um and it's called sleep no more um Joey, have you heard of this before? I haven't. No, tell me about it. All right, cool. Um, so this summer, um, I went to New York uh, just for kind of like a long weekend thing. And I've been to New York many, many times. <laughs> it's just like I've seen all the obvious things to see, like all the touristy things and everything. So I just wanted to go and kind of 
you know, do things that were kind of like a little bit off the <laughs> the beaten path. Although I'm sure all the New Yorkers who <laughs> listen to this show are like rolling their eyes right now. Uh, but I was like, yeah, like, is there like anything else that I should be doing? <clears throat> and this was something that was recommended to me by like two people that I like really, really trust their opinions. Um, <clears throat> so basically what Sleep No More is, it's sort of this like interactive kind of theater experience. So <clears throat> the idea is that um, you, when you buy a ticket for this kind of sort of play, um, you go in and it, it's kind of like in an old hotel. Uh, and so the whole concept is like you get there and then you check in and then she gives you like a card that's sort of like your room key basically. Hmm. And then you like go in and like you enter and it's like a a bar. There's like a bunch of people. There's live music playing. You can get a drink and everything. Um, and then after a while, like then there's like a the actual like story starts. So they take you um, into an elevator and then there's four or five, five floors. And basically you can choose to follow any actor that you want. Or stay in a room and then see everything that's going on in this room. Um, like you can move around. And so basically there's this like interactive story that's happening all at once in this big hotel. There's all these sets that are like incredibly designed. Like it's honestly it's worth it just to see like the de level of detail that they went through. Um, and the story is kind of like loosely based on uh, Macbeth. So I would really recommend like if you plan on going to actually read up a little bit on Macbeth because then you can make sense of some of the characters uh, in the story. But honestly, this is like an experience like no other. Like I, I totally recommend it. I've never seen anything like this. And even like I was talking about the sets, um, there is like one one room that's like a, a ch sort of a child's bedroom hmm. and there's like a mirror and <clears throat> it's like an act i don't even know how to do this it's like an actual mirror but then when you look through the mirror what you see on the other side is not the actual bedroom because like the bedroom is like a normal bedroom that's fine and then when you look at it there's like blood everywhere and there's like a bunch of everything's like broken and everything but if i have like walk in front of the mirror i can see myself in the mirror it's like so i don't, I don't even know how they did that Wait, so how did you figure how did you find out about this uh, it was like some friends that recommended this to me so yeah like if either if you live in new york and haven't gone yet or if you're thinking of going to new york soon i totally recommend it like it's such a cool experience um it's unlike anything i've ever done before all right awesome so that was it uh, for our show this week. You can follow us on Twitter at LayoutFM. Uh, you can also follow Joey on Twitter at uh, Joey A. Banks. That's right. Uh, That's and uh, do, you have, do you have anything else you'd like to, to plug? Uh, I suppose just Figma now if you haven't checked out Figma. <laughs> <laughs> Check uh, out Figma. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just on Twitter. Feel free to find me. Say hey. Cool. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at VernalKick. 
Uh, you can fi- find all the show notes uh, for the this episode at layout.fm. The show is part of the Spec FM network. So if you're looking for more podcasts, uh, visit spec.fm. Uh, our friends at uh, Design Details also just recently went listener supported. So please go and support them. Uh, they're doing a lot of awesome stuff. So go check out their Patreon. And our thanks to Porkbun for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. Um, so thank you so much to you, Joey, for uh, joining me. Uh, we recorded for uh, a long time, but it was so much fun, and I could have kept going for hours and hours. But <laughs> I'm sure you have better things to do. Thanks so, <laughs> so much for having me, and sorry to. I, I hope Rafa's better soon. Sorry to be here under the conditions, but it was really fun to join you. Yeah, totally. Uh, we'll we'll definitely have you again in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Okay. Bye.